And all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, welcome to Southwinds and, and welcome to our Breakthrough Celebration Sunday. Uh, we have so much uh, to celebrate today, including 36 people who have been baptized in the last two months, like you've just witnessed. And we're just grateful to God for his work in the life of our church family. I have several things that I want to celebrate with you as we begin today. And the first is this, we are still receiving breakthrough commitments. Uh, a number of have come in even uh, this morning so far. So we believe the total is gonna continue to rise. But at this moment, I am so happy and excited to announce to you that we have received $1.1 million in uh, commitments to breakthrough, amen. We have also uh, received over $74,000 in initial gifts. And these commitments and these gifts are going to enable us uh, to move forward uh, and accomplish the strategic objectives that we uh, have set forth uh, for Breakthrough uh, during the three years that are ahead. And, and I just want to remind all of us that Breakthrough is far, far more than just a six-week campaign. Breakthrough really is what we are seeking to do as a faith family together in our lives, across our communities, in the three years that are ahead of us. And so I just want to give a huge thank you uh, to everyone who has given, everyone who has sacrificed, everyone who has made this possible. God is going to do some amazing things uh, that we're going to share in together in the, the weeks and months and even the years that are ahead. Now I have more to share with you today because a huge part of Breakthrough is Southwind Serves. And when you've been hearing some things about that, you're going to continue to hear things about that. But 67 of you already have participated in the launch of our City of Tracy Bench Restoration Project, as you've heard. Uh, we are still looking for life groups who want to participate in that. Actually, this is one of those things that you can just do as a family or even as an individual if you would like to. Uh, if you want to participate in any way, please just contact Chris Martinez. He will get it set up for you and you'll be able uh, to, to help and, and serve our community uh, in this way. I'm also very excited to tell you about two brand new breakthrough projects that, that actually came together and happened just this week. Uh, last night, our, our Gates Foster Adopt Life Group uh, sponsored a foster parents night out. We invited foster parents in our county uh, to come and have a night to themselves. We provided child care, allowed these foster parents to have some time away. And as part of that, through Breakthrough, Southwinds uh, gifted them with some gift cards that could help take care of going to the movies, going out to eat, just doing some fun things that would give them a break. And I just want to say, have you say thank you to the Southwinders who made that happen last night. Amen? And then, I, I'm so excited to, to share about a breakthrough that we've been working on that actually this week, this breakthrough broke through. Okay? So our, our heart um, as a church is to love our community by serving our community. And as a, a big part of that, I'm happy to announce that through Breakthrough this fall, Southwinds, as a church family, through your gifts, will be paying off the entire school lunch debt for the entire Tracy Unified School District. This is over $7,800, um, and we just desire to bless our neighbors, and we are praying and hoping that God is going to use your generosity to draw people to himself. 
You know, we, we just want these next three years to be full of breakthroughs like these because we believe, as you heard me say, and as you're going to continue to hear me say, we believe that the good deeds create goodwill, which opens doors for the good news. And so we are serving our communities and serving people around us so that people can meet Jesus. Amen? Amen. With that, that's just a great setup for me to talk about what we're discussing in God's Word today. And we're talking about a joy breakthrough. I hope you're feeling more joyful right now than you were maybe a few minutes ago when you came into the service. Um, and wouldn't you agree when you think about it that all of us in our world today could use some more joy? Amen? You know, people really are longing for joy in our lives. And uh, I went on Amazon this week and did a search on the joy of, just wanted to see what would come up. I found all kinds of interesting books, like The Joy of Cooking um, or The Joy of Painting by Bob Ross. <laughs> for all you really high fancy art fans. Um, the Joy of Mathematics, uh, clearly a work of fiction. Um, <laughs> The joy of doing things badly. How many of you would say, I don't need that book, I'm already an expert. You know? And then there's a Spark Joy, a best-selling book on tidying up by Marie Kondo. You guys know about Marie Kondo, right? You know? And she says, this is her thing, you know, this is how you tidy up your life. You, you take everything you own and you hold it up and you ask, does this spark joy? Does this object bring me joy? And if, if it doesn't bring you joy, you toss it, right? This is why we no longer have a cat. Um, and uh, this has actually spawned an entire movement like the joy of less. But there's been some pushback on that one. So we also uh, have books like the joy of junk. And this is about the, the beauty of hoarding. I, I kid you not. <laughs> and uh, there are many more books. The joy of Yiddish. I'm sure some of you want to pick that up for Christmas. Um, uh, that's actually bad, I'm sorry. Um, and the joy of pickling, all kinds of books about joy. But here's the thing, with all these books, isn't it true, wouldn't you realize that most people, they're not there? Yeah, I mean, you ever people watch at a mall? You know, look at people going by and watch faces, and you, you don't see a lot of joy, right? Many times, many times you see frowns, many times you just see anger. Um, Researchers tell us that happiness, uh, unhappiness levels have never been higher. And unfortunately, I think we can say that Christians sometimes can seem the angriest of all. You know, rightly or wrongly, our, our culture's perception of, of many of us as believers is that we are judgmental and we are angry, not that we are happy and full of joy. And yet, did you know that God... God intends our walk of faith to be full of joy. In fact, God commands us to be joyful as his people. God commands us to celebrate the life he's given us. Even we can say to party, it's actually all through the Bible. You could go back to the Old Testament. You probably haven't really thought about this, but God in the Old Testament at a number of places commands his people, the Israelites, to celebrate several annual feasts. And these were parties. You may not get it when you look at them, but that's what they are. They're festivals, they're parties. Deuteronomy 16, 14 says, be joyful at your festival. God designed that into the life of following him. It was part of being God's people. It's kind of an interesting thing though, throughout Israel's history over the centuries, as they began to follow God less and less, what ended up happening is they stopped 
celebrating these feasts. And actually, after the exile, Nehemiah comes back. He's rebuilding the city of Jerusalem. He commands the people to start celebrating again. Why? Well, very familiar verse. Some of you know it. Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. And this just keeps going. When Jesus was born, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of what? Great joy that will be for all the people. And we're going to be talking about that real soon because we're about to be celebrating Christmas. And I want you to think about this. What possible news is good news and great joyful news for all people? Have you ever thought about this? You know, uh, every other possible news is usually just good news for some people but not for others you ever notice that i mean like yesterday with a lot of football games there were happy people yesterday and there were angry people this morning right you know so whoever's team won whoever's team lost you know one country wins a war they're happy but the country that loses that's not good so every other bit of news is always good news for some while being bad news for others except for one piece of news and that's what we talk about at Christmas. Good news for all people. Rejoice. Later on, Jesus says to his followers, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Again, not so that you will be filled with a sense of obligation or a sense of dry duty, but joy, joy. And then the Apostle Paul commands us, be joyful always. That's in 1 Thessalonians. And then in Philippians, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And in case you didn't hear it the first time, I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. Now, I, I could have shown you like 100 verses talking about this. So the question is this. If this is such an emphasis in the Bible, why is it that so many of us struggle with joy? Why do we so often need to break through to joy? Why do I need this? How many of you need to hear this? At least, maybe not today, but at least sometime in your life. Are, are you willing to raise your hand? You need to hear this sometime. I mean, we all do. And I find that when I need a joy breakthrough, it's usually uh, related to three common barriers, three barriers to joy that all of us need to break through, at least at some point in our lives. So I'm going to look at them real quickly to set this up where we're headed. The first barrier to joy is worry. I mean, worry is a barrier to joy. And if you're going to experience joy, you need to break through worry. And, you know, sometimes people will tell me, I get so worried, Pastor Mike, I just can't get to sleep. Now, for myself, I often find that I go to sleep just fine most of the time. But, but sometimes I wake up anxious in the middle of the night. Has that ever happened to you? Um, you know, I start thinking about all the things I need to get done and all the problems I have to deal with and all the people who are mad at me and all the... The people who are currently disappointed in me this week, you know, and, and then I can't get back to sleep. So I have a question. What are you worried about right now? You know, some of you are so worried right now about your family, about your finances, about our nation. I mean, whatever it is, that it has just drained you of your joy. The second barrier to joy is circumstances. Stuff happens, right? That's the Christian version of that phrase. I see we have some Raider fans in the audience. It took a little while to kind of get out there, you know. 
stuff happens. It causes us pain, right? It frustrates our lives, and people get sick, and we get sick, and cars break down, and relationships break down, and, and sometimes our jobs stress us out. Stuff happens, and, and it can seem like circumstances. They just keep coming at us over and over and over and over again. And we find ourselves joyless. We find ourselves saying, God, I'm just trying to serve you the best I can. And then you let this happen. Anybody ever said that? That's a prayer right, right there. I don't know that it's a great one. But you ever prayed that prayer? I'm just trying to serve you, God. Why did you let this happen? And by the way, when we're talking about circumstances. Do you realize the way we usually grow in any area of our lives is we get tested in that area, right? In order to get uh, strengthened in that area. So if you need to grow in love, what's God usually going to do? He's going to send you some unlovable people. Right? How about this? You need to grow in patience? I'm going to give you some really good advice right now, okay? Never, ever pray for patience. <laughs> I'm just telling you, okay? And if you need to grow in joy, well, you're probably going to face some circumstances in which it's hard to be joyful. And third, there's a surprising barrier to joy, uh, trying to earn God's favor. Some of us lose our joy because we begin to measure our spiritual maturity by how many rules we're keeping. And the more rules we keep, the happier God is with us, so therefore I feel better. The, the more I blow it, then I, I'm not there, and, and I'm measuring my maturity by the rules I, I'm, I'm following. I don't do this, I don't do that, and that just kills joy. And there are some of us here who struggle with this. You are not a classic legalist in any sense of the word. You understand without shadow of doubt, salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, not by works. But you live your Christian life as if the favor of God gets apportioned out to you by how well you're obeying and following him. And it becomes about your spiritual performance. I have to do more. I have to do better. I have to pray more, serve more, so God likes me more. And that kills joy. And the Bible never says anything about this, but we still fall into that trap all of the time. Paul asks this interesting question in Galatians 4, verse 15. He says, what has happened to all your joy? Now, in the context of that question, some false teachers had come along to these churches in Galatia and had convinced the Galatians that being a good Christian meant uh, keep, keeping certain rules. And Paul just says to him, hey, you guys are really religious, but you're also joyless. So my, my question could be to you right now is, could that sentence or that question on the screen apply to you? Could it be said of you right now? And if so, how do you break through these Three barriers to joy. By the way, I hope you understand that this issue about joy breakthrough is, is far more important than your own personal spiritual happiness level. It's far greater significance. You say, what do you mean? Well, here's what I'm saying. When we are joyful through the ups and the downs of, the of our lives, it is a testimony to people outside of the faith. It is attractive to people who do not know Jesus. It draws people to Jesus when we live lives filled with joy. And some of us need to wake up to the fact that we're never going to reach our neighbors or our coworkers or people in our family 
until we get this joy thing straightened out some in our lives, right? I mean, I wonder how many people have looked at you and concluded, I don't know what they have, I don't want it. Because there's not joy there. The joy of the Lord is not in your life. So let's look, with this all in mind, at three keys to breaking through to joy. And these three keys are out, actually each directly related to these three barriers to joy. They all come from the book of Philippians. We're all, all going to see them in, in Philippians chapter 4, particularly verses 8 through 13. And before we get to that, I want to give you some context so you'll understand where Paul is coming from. This entire book of Philippians, its theme is what? Joy. Some of you know this. It's joy. Paul actually in this short book discusses joy 17 times. And, and you can actually read this entire letter of Philippians out loud in about 20 minutes. And so that means that Paul talks about joy just about once every 60 seconds going through this book. And this is really amazing when you know the historical context of Paul's writing. See, as Paul writes the letter of Philippians, Paul has been in miserable circumstances for the previous four years, at least. He spent two years in prison and false charges. He finally gets out of that, but he gets sent on a, a ship across the Mediterranean Sea. He, he ends up getting shipwrecked. He ends up getting bitten by a snake. How many of you are done right now? He survives all of that. He makes it to Rome where he was headed, and now he's put under house arrest for two more years where he is waiting trial before the emperor Nero. Nero, who's not really known for his tender attitude toward Christians, right? And see, it is out of these circumstances that Paul, who has every right to feel sorry for himself. By the way, stop right here for just a moment. Don't raise your hands. We don't want to know, right? But how many of you think you have a right to feel sorry for yourself? Just ask yourself that question. Some of you are living right there. Paul had every right to feel sorry for himself. But he talks about joy 17 times through this entire letter. And our question has to become, how did Paul do this? I mean, how could he live this way? And he really gives his reasons throughout the letter. And when we get to the end of this book, which is where we're going to be, this last chapter, he kind of summarizes it all, and he tells us how to break through to joy. And this will change your life, I am telling you, if you will let it. Three keys to breaking through to joy. You can start applying these to your life right now. The first point actually ties into that first barrier to joy, which is worry and anxiety and negative thinking. It is this, write this down, I must refocus my thinking. You want to know joy? You have to refocus your thinking. Philippians 4, verse 8, Paul says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So Paul says, finally, like, in other words, here's the big key to it all. And if you're taking notes, maybe you want to underline or circle that phrase, fix your thoughts. It's kind of interesting. This could be like a play on words in English. Now, Paul's min, uh, intention in this, in the Greek text, is we set our mind. But part of what's happening here really is we've got to fix our thoughts. They need to be repaired. We need to repair the way you're thinking. 
Now, here's the thing right now, okay? Some of you have been in church so long, you've heard those verses before, and I just read them once again, and really what they sounded like to you is blah, 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 right? You know those verses, you know those words, but here's what I want to say to you. I don't care if you know those words, if you know that verse, I know it too, but there's a lot of times I don't live it. A lot of times, you don't live it, right? A lot of times, we don't do what it says to do. Someone, someone has said that the root cause of joylessness is the way I choose to think. And I can get so undisciplined in my thinking sometimes, my self-talk can become so poisonous. See, the root cause of joylessness, the way I choose to think, and it is a choice, it is a choice how you think. You cannot always choose what thoughts come across your mind. You can choose where your mind stays, what your mind dwells on. You can make that choice. You can't always choose what you feel, but you can choose what you focus on. And friends, this should be a relief here for some of you, because I want to be clear some of you are laboring under a false burden. Here's what you need to know. Learning to be joyful does not mean trying to feel happier. In fact, that rarely works. And so some of you need to hear this. Do not add to your sadness shame. Shame that you just can't work up happy, joyful feelings. I, I think trying to feel happy is sort of like trying to fall asleep. You know, it happens when you're not thinking about it. Have you ever noticed that? It's not when you are. You can't control your emotions, but you can control your thoughts. And a lot of us need to work on this. A lot of us really struggle with negative internal dialogue. Do you know that you always have an internal dialogue going on? It's happening right now. You're talking to yourself. You're talking to yourself about yourself. I mean, are you aware of that? And have you intentionally attempted to take control of your thoughts? I'm telling you today, here's the best way to do this. It's not simple, but this is the best way to do this. You do this by reading the Word of God. I mean, what could be more true, noble, right, pure, and lovely than God's Word? See, we don't, we don't control our thoughts by telling ourselves not to think negative thoughts. We don't control our thoughts by telling ourselves to think good thoughts. We control our minds. We take control by filling our minds with God thoughts. Let God tell you who you are. Let God define reality. Let God tell you how you should look at this world, how you should see your circumstances. And you know, I'm not saying that you won't ever have times when you need to vent. The Bible has a lot of venting in it, you may have noticed. And it's okay to vent sometimes, especially to a trusted person. It's okay to express frustration and even sadness about the realities of living in a broken world. You should also follow your venting up by making sure you're actually talking to God about those things. But don't stay there too long. And many times we do. See, I think the thing is we know this verse. But here's how sometimes we... We really live. We sometimes live as the verse says this. Finally, people, just fix your thoughts on whatever is frustrating and disappointing, whatever is aggravating and overwhelming and discouraging. If anything, if anything ever hurts your feelings or if anyone ever lets you down or hurts you, think about these things. 
You might notice that's the NLT. I call that the Nolan Lane translation. Because <laughs> that's the way I think at times. But thinking like that kills joy, doesn't it? Now, refocusing your thoughts is not an impossibility. It is not theoretical. Just check out the very next verse. Philippians 4, 9 says, Paul says, Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. What's he talking about? What did the Philippians see Paul doing? Well, I think one of the things they saw him doing goes to the story that we read about in Acts chapter 16. You probably know the story. When Paul was in Philippi, he was arrested on false charges. The city leaders then beat him. And they tortured him. They then threw him in jail. They put him in stocks. And by the way, this all happened shortly after Paul had a vision from God about a European man who was calling him to go and said, come and help us. And they'd never been to Europe before. And he's taking the gospel over uh, into a new continent. It's pioneer work. He's serving the Lord. He gets on a boat. He gets to Philippi. It's the first city he gets to. And he's thinking, I had a vision. I'm serving God. I'm doing what God has to say. They want to hear the gospel. That's why I've been called. And he's barely started preaching. And he's arrested and tortured and thrown into jail. It's like all the wheels suddenly just fall off. And the Bible says, if you remember the story, this has all happened. And around midnight, Paul and his friend were doing what? They were singing, singing praise songs. And Luke writes, all the other prisoners were listening. I'm kind of thinking like they had a choice, you know. And they're singing, and that very night there was this earthquake, and the, the, the stocks all came off, the, the doors flew open, the jailer saw this, and he knew the Romans were going to kill him for letting the prisoners escape, and so he starts to kill himself, but Paul stops him, and then the jailer says, what must I do to be saved? And we discover that God uses Paul's joy, even in terrible circumstances, to bring salvation to this man's household. Because God's always in control. See, Paul had learned to fix his thoughts on true things, on lovely things. And that reached into that jailer's heart. And that jailer knew that he needed whatever it was Paul had. That calm in the midst of an earthquake. That ability to be joyful even in suffering. This is part of what Paul means. Remember what you saw in me. Remember what you heard me doing, praising in prison. And some of you here may need to hear this morning that it is possible to praise God in a prison. I don't know if you know who Viktor Frankl is, famous author and speaker. And he was imprisoned by the Nazis in World War II because he was Jewish. And afterward, he wrote a book on how he survived the concentration camps. Listen to this statement, what he learned. He said this, you can take away my wife, you can take away my children, you can strip me of my freedom, but there is one thing that no one can ever take from me, and that is my freedom to choose how I will react to what happens to me. See, this is what Paul is saying. No matter what happens, no matter what people do to me, they are not going to control my reactions. I must refocus my thinking. And that counteracts, that fights against worry and anxiety. Now, the second 
truth I want you to see flows right out of the first, and it, it ties into that second barrier to joy, which is circumstances, and it's this. Go ahead and write this down. I must learn to adapt to life's changes. So here's the question. How do you handle it when your life gets shaken up? How, how do you handle, you know, when bad things come your way? What do you, what do, you do? Do you get moody? Do you get angry? Who here has the gift of pouting? Please raise your hand. <laughs> I mean, can you just let it go? Can you adapt? Um, I came across recently this uh, funny blog called Reasons My Kid Is Crying. And, and see, parents submit pictures of their kids and the reason the kid is crying over something. Have you ever noticed that like when something changes in a little kid's life, they just get upset, they start crying crying they they fall down on the floor you know and flop around i mean life as we know it it's over right you, you know what i'm talking about right so here's some of the best ones reason my kid is crying i broke his cheese in half <laughs> reasons my kid is crying they receive new hats <laughs> reasons my kid is crying we sang the happy birthday song to him Next is, I wouldn't buy her the Dolly movie for Christmas. Now, can you read? It was a, a Chucky movie, okay? Reasons my kid is crying. We said she couldn't have more bacon. Now, this one I understand, all right? I mean, I, I totally, this one makes sense. I get this. Reasons my kid is crying. There was a hot dog hidden in his cornbread. All <laughs> oh, the humanity. I mean, you know, that's just horrible. Uh, reasons my kid is crying. He didn't want to share his leg hole. <laughs> and I noticed the little girl there, she's like, what? what's going on here? Why, why is this happening? I don't understand. And then finally, he met Bill Murray. I mean, there's lots more of these. And, you know, when we see all of these, we see the humor when it's little kids. But don't you have to wonder if God sometimes looks at us and our response to life circumstances and we sort of kind of look like that? I want you to understand something that the Bible teaches. And it is this. Your joy will largely depend on your ability to respond to change, to adapt to change. Amen. I mean, change is inevitable in life. Change happens whether we want it to or not. Notice what Paul says in verse 11, Philippians 4:11. He says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And maybe you want to circle, I have learned. And that should encourage you because even the apostle Paul had to learn. It doesn't come naturally. We all start out like these little kids you know, and so again, don't add to your joylessness guilt over letting circumstances get to you. Just tell yourself, I am learning and keep working on it. So maybe you're asking, what's the key to being content, whatever your circumstance? I want you to watch this. This is earlier on in this same letter. Paul told the Philippians, uh, Philippians 1 verse 12, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. Now that includes that list that I gave you 
earlier, but also I want you to notice this, the very next verse. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. The whole palace guard. Uh, the Romans who guarded Caesar's household were known as the Praetorian Guard. These are the elites uh, of, uh, of the elites. It's like West Point Naval Academy, elite soldiers. It's like officer training. Um, they were there as part of their training to guard Caesar's household and also top-level political prisoners like Paul. And they would work these alternating shifts, one shift in the palace, one shift guarding prisoners. And it's an interesting thing as you read that first chapter of Philippians. From Paul's perspective, it's like he had a captive audience. You know, a new guy shows up, he says, hey, let me tell you more about the resurrected Jesus. He keeps sharing the gospel, even chained in a prison under house arrest to a guard. And so what happens next? Well, these these soldiers that can't get away from Paul, who have to listen to whatever Paul's saying because they're chained to him, they go back to the palace. And evidently, some of them start talking about what they've heard. And this isn't just speculation. I mean, look at this kind of cryptic verse at the end of Philippians, of Philippians 4.22, says, And all the rest of God's people send you greetings to, especially those in Caesar's household. Like, what? In Nero's palace? They're believers now? Now, historically, we know of at least one, a, a woman named Claudia Acti. And, and she was Nero's mistress. Everyone expected her to become Nero's wife until suddenly one day Nero kicks her out of the palace. And you know why? We know. We know why. She became a Christian. I mean, how do you think someone in Caesar's palace could have heard the gospel? Probably from the guards who heard it from Paul. And this is why Paul can say, I have learned to be content because he knew that all these circumstances, they were advancing the gospel. Paul had learned what he would write in another letter, that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God is working in all things, even things like prison. And you can still today know that somehow, someway, God is going to redeem even your hardest times. Maybe in ways you will never fully understand on earth, but you can be confident that he will. Look what Paul says next, back in Philippians 4, verse 12. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. Now, I want to be clear about this. We need to understand joy does not mean I have to like the situation I'm in. Paul isn't saying that. We have joy because we're confident God is using even bad things, even painful things, sometimes even evil things, for his good, somehow, for our good. And then, in addition, the promise of joy also does not mean that I won't have sorrow. And the Bible is clear, of course you're going to have sorrow. Sorrow comes into everyone's life. Joy never means that you feel happy all the time. What it means this, it means that all sorrow will be temporary and that joy will ultimately become per permanent. You see, ultimately, for the believer, the Christ follower, all sorrow is temporary, 
joy, that's what's permanent. And we studied this when we talked about heaven earlier in the fall. The Bible says that one day God will redeem not only us, not only our bodies, but all of creation. God will wipe away every tear. We will live forever and ever and ever in pure joy. And it is that hope that we have that gets us through troubled times. I love how Tim Keller puts it. He says, the opposite of joy is not sorrow. The opposite of joy is hopelessness. See, we all have sorrow. That's normal. It's part of a broken world. But when you have hope, you have a joy that runs deeper than sorrow. And so Paul says, I've learned the secret. What's the secret? (laughs) Well, here's the big reveal. Final point. Paul's about to reveal a principle that was destined 2,000 years later to become a, a tattoo on Steph Curry's arm. Point number three. I must rest in God's power and grace. Philippians 4.13, Paul says, and you know this, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Have you learned that you need more than just willpower? That you need God's power? I mean, we know that's true theoretically, but we forget that in real life so very often, right? All of us do, including myself, your pastor. And I have discovered, have you noticed this, that when I'm thinking about my problems and I'm feeling overwhelmed and discouraged, I am invariably focusing on my own strength and my own resources. I end up saying things, I just don't have the strength to make it through this and face this. I just don't have the energy for this. I don't have the time. Ain't nobody got time for that. You know, that's, that's what we think, right? I mean, I'm focusing on myself, my power, my resources, my strength. I'm, I'm not giving things to God. I'm not looking at it through God's eyes. I'm limiting my worldview to me. It's no wonder I get discouraged sometimes. As Max Lucado says, when you feel like that, you have to speak truth to your despair. And you have to say, my Lord says he will help me. His strength is my strength. And even if I fail here, I know he will use it for good. You ever speak truth to your despair? You have to take charge of your thoughts. Stop letting your thoughts rule you. Now, we're going to dig even deeper into this in the next couple of weeks. I hope you'll come back. We're going to start next Sunday a two-week series uh, sandwiched around Thanksgiving called Grateful. We're going to dig into what it means to truly live gratefully, uh, living in gratitude, because as we grow in gratitude, it is amazing how our joy will deepen. Paul wraps up Philippians. He ends it like this. Philippians 4.23, it says, the grace of our Lord Jesus be with your spirit. Amen. Grace is the key. Grace means that your life is a pure gift from God. Your salvation is a gift, right? Your eventual glorification, that's a gift of grace, right? It's a gift. God lavishes more gifts of grace on you every day that you live, and you don't earn a gift. You just receive a gift. That's grace. And friends, that's the gospel. And I believe that the fundamental reason that so many Christians are joyless is that in living their lives, they begin to forget that it's all about grace. And that goes to that third joy barrier of trying to earn God's favor. See, the cure is this. 
Some of you need to write this down. You need to think about it. You need to start working it out in your life. The cure is this. You have to keep preaching the gospel to yourself. Every day, you need to remind yourself. Don't let it go, grow stale in your life. You need to remind yourself, Jesus died for me on the cross. God the Father saved me by his grace, and I live in his grace today. The Father loves me just because I'm his child. I never earn his favor. I follow and I obey him because of his favor. And as you preach the truth of grace and the gospel and the unmerited love of God given to you, poured out in Jesus, given so lavishly in the Holy Spirit, as you keep reminding yourself of that, you find your joy beginning to grow again. I see we can all become prone to trying to earn favor with God, getting performance oriented, even when we know that's not God's way. But we need to keep coming back to grace. And it's an interesting thing. When we do this, it puts us into what someone has called the joy cycle. And here's how the joy cycle works. As you enjoy God's grace, you are drawn closer to him. And as you are drawn closer to him, you'll enjoy him more deeply. And the closer you get to God, and the more you know of who he is, and the more you see his goodness in your life, the more you will break through to joy. The more you'll break through to joy. God designed joy to be the basic way in which the followers of Jesus Christ live their lives. Are you breaking through to joy today? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, and we're going to pray. We are now, as our heads are bowed, we are praying to the author of joy. So maybe just pray along, agree with me in these, these thoughts. Heavenly Father, we call out to you, help us to refocus our thoughts. For we're tired of focusing on the negative tired of focusing on ourselves lord help me to focus on you and on your truth on your grace especially and lord help me to adapt to life's changes lord help me stay flexible and adaptable and lord help me just to to rest in you your power your your grace lord help me recognize how, how much you love me that you are for me not against me Lord, I pray that you would help me stop living like I'm trying to earn your approval. And with your head still bowed, if, if you are here this morning, you've never taken the first step of faith, you, you, you've never made that initial commitment to Jesus, I just want to encourage you, in your heart right now, you can, you can pray and say, Jesus, I don't understand it all, but I am drawn to you. I want to know you. I want to have a joyful relationship with you. And so I turn from my sins and I repent. I turn to you in faith. God, I'm trusting you to forgive my sins, to give me new life, to give me eternal life. Just reach out to the Father. Just tell him what's on your heart. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its relevance to our lives each day. We thank you, Lord, for the joy 
that you give us. And we pray all these things now in the name of your son, Jesus the Christ. And all God's people together said.
One, if this is your first time here, we just want to say thank you so much for being here. We'd love uh, to get to know you. Or we'd love to have some of your information so that we can get to know you, how we can best learn how to serve you and your family. So just make sure you take a moment, fill out this gift card, and we'd love to uh, give you a gift card out in our lobby um, right after today's service. The other thing that's happening is that there's a couple things happening with our student ministry, and then that is that have, they have a coffee cart that is just outside of the lobby, and so if you want to get a nice iced coffee, and then also starting on December 1st, they're going to be providing some hot chocolate with those little marshmallows, and then she also told me that, uh, that if you also wanted some peppermint, then you could throw it inside there. So be ready starting December 1st, and all those proceeds to go help support our student ministry. The other thing is if you also have a junior high, high school student, enrollment is already starting now for summer camps. And so in order to get that uh, kind of that discounted rate before they go out, you'll have until January 5th or until all of those discounted rate uh, go. So I just want to encourage you to make sure that you, if you have a student, start right now to get those deposits in. Uh, the other thing that kind of Pastor Mike was talking about through this whole entire breakthrough season that we're kind of uh, entering in is that we have our discovery 401 class that's happening today. And if you really want to have to, really want to learn about more about how to get your life on mission, really how to engage your community, this afternoon's class, it's only taken us three years to get to this class again, so we want to encourage you to be a part of it. You can come or just let us know and, and we'd love to get you part of it. It's from three to seven and dinner's on Pastor Mike. So I just want to let you know that and there's free childcare as well. The other thing is that we're also getting ready for Christmas, and that's what these are for. What's going to happen this week on Wednesday and Thursday is that we need to create 500 of these, except they're going to be 15 foot in length. So in total, there's going to be about 30,000 links that they're getting ready to set up up here on this stage. And so we just want to encourage you that if you have the time during the day on Wednesday and Thursday, we'd love to have you do that. Contact our offices, and they'll get to you. Uh, the other thing is, is that we just kind of wanted to announce, uh, this actually was just texted into me uh, by Pastor Jay, is that there is actually an additional amount that Pastor Mike uh, announced this right kind of at the beginning of the message, but there was an additional $38,500 that came in just for breakthrough while we were sitting here. Amen? So all those things are going to get ready. That is awesome. 
And so what's going to happen is that's all going to continue to go as we head out into our breakthrough season, engaging our community. Uh, and also we're going to have a celebration service happening afterwards. You're going to get a chocolate breakthrough bar as you head out. Um, and we just want to make sure that we're just spending time just celebrating what God is doing. So add to what Chris just said, that puts us over $1.1 million in our total. Uh, just so you have a perspective on that, and we're just grateful to the Lord for that. And, and right now, uh, he doesn't know this, but I want Pastor Jay to come on up here. And uh, Kim, if you want to, you can come too. It's up to you. Um, uh -oh. Let's give him a big hand. I think the lights are flickering in honor of you, Jay. <laughs> come on up here, yeah. Well, the reason I've asked him to come up here, and many of you would have probably no reason for knowing this, but he, Jay has now been serving with us for five years as our executive pastor, and we want to recognize that. And, um, and, and I, want, I, I, I said this at grand opening, but I want to say it again, we would not be here in this place without Jay. Uh, no question um, in my mind at all. And I hope you're aware of that. I hope you know that. Um, and so I hope you will tell him thank you for that. And we have a gift for his fifth anniversary, and I'm going to give it to Kim. Um, it's just simpler that way. <laughs> and he got the candy bar. Yeah, Jay gets the candy bar. She gets the gift. So um, and, and don't leave yet. Uh, one more thing before, before we go. I want us to pray um, for Jay, but it's also for all of us, because this Tuesday, some of you know we have been in... Um, uh, working through some issues with our, our builder that have been very difficult, very stressful. Um, you would think that six months into our new building, uh, see what I'm talking about right here, <laughs> that we would, have, we would have moved past all that, but we've had to go um, a route that includes some legal things. We are going to be in mediation uh, tomorrow, uh, not tomorrow, Tuesday, I mean, and uh, Jay's going to be leading that effort. It's going to be an all-day kind of a thing probably, and so I would really encourage all of us uh, to pray about that, uh, that God will bring resolution. Um, there have been some things happening that shouldn't be happening, um, and I won't go into details, but just know we need to pray uh, that God would bring uh, justice and vindication and take care um, of us, his people, in this regard um, as we, I can't believe the lights are flickering on us right now. That's, <laughs> if you knew the whole story, you would know how appropriate that is, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, but l let's all pray together right now, um, especially for Jay as he's leading this, um, that God will just bring favor uh, on us as his people, and we will get done with this and move into the future he asked for us. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we just give you thanks for um, your servant and all his work and all his sacrifice that he has uh, expended over uh, these years to, to just help uh, us accomplish the mission you've given us as a church. Lord, thank you especially for all that's happened um, in the last year or so um, to make this building a reality and to bring things to where we are today. We pray, Lord, uh, for this meeting on Tuesday, and we ask that in your name, Father, you will, you will bring breakthrough. Uh, Lord, we want to move past. We want to move on. Uh, we want to, to carry out uh, without any hindrance our mission of, of serving you, Lord, of uh, loving the people in our community, and we pray that you would just be with Jay, be with, be with our representation, or be over the whole process, and we ask that you would uh, just bring great joy out of what, what is about to take place, and we trust you in that, Father, and we pray all these things now in the name of Jesus, and all God's people said, 
Amen. Amen. You can stand now. We're going to sing our way out. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Cause I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Cause I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle. God bless you guys. Have a great week.